Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the South Pole Podcast. I am your host, Doyle Unruh, recording again today from Georgia, and I am actually on the road today. And as I drive, I got some time, and I said I want to talk to y'all about some things that I've learned through my time, you know, grazing animals, watching, just little things I've picked up because it's the little things you pick up from your fellow livestock farmers that can help you. You know, obviously you can you can read about research, that sort of thing. That's always beneficial and it's got its place, but it's the little things about, you know, when you got grass in the winter, what color is it? How thick is it? How long will it feed animals? And you may pick up some of that on a research paper, but you may get more information just, you know, from talking to a farmer. So that's kind of what I want to bring you today. So stay tuned. So today I would like to talk about fall and winter. And consequently, I guess we'll get into spring a little bit. As a grazier, you think of feeding forage to your animals in certain parts of the country. Maybe you have to feed hay. Um, if you've read the book by Jim Garrish, How to Kick the Hay Habit, he talks about being up in Canada and livestock producers going through the whole bragging rights and ends up, you know, starts out with a cow grazing through a foot of snow and ends up with cows grazing through six feet of snow and their noses being bloodied and all that. I don't know if I even believe all that, you know. I mean, that's twice as tall as my cows, practically, but, um, you know, it makes a point. Cattle can graze through snow, and I think that's the point he's making. So I'd like to talk about cool season grazing. <clears throat> Made a couple notes here, and uh, in my area of the country, northern Georgia, you can rent an acre of pasture in a lot of places for the same amount that you can buy one bale. One bale of hay, just just average grass hay, nothing special. So that being said, some people will let you take care of land <clears throat> for keeping up the fences, for paying the taxes, for bush hogging it once or twice a year. Um, a lot of different things like that, and that's going to vary by where you're at in the country, obviously. And we can typically buy a bale of hay for 30 to $40. Now, that's on a normal year, and that's going to be fescue, grass hay, whatever. That's not going to be straight Bermuda or what, anything. It's just regular grass hay. And, of course, being in the southeast... Our hay is not of the highest quality. It just typically doesn't get dry enough to, or doesn't stay dry long enough and low enough moisture to put up, you know, dairy quality hay. I've never fed a lot of hay. It's typically emergency situation, so my experience is not from feeding out thousands of rolls. It's from feeding out several hundred rolls, probably over the last 15 years. So if a cow eats her body weight roughly every 30 days, you know, 
thousand pound cow, she's going to eat a thousand pounds of hay in roughly 30 days. You can buy a bag of ryegrass seed, you know, 40 or $50, put it in an ATV spreader, and you think about grass seed. No-till drills are cool. They're expensive, very expensive. They require a tractor. Um, you probably already have a four-wheeler, maybe for checking the cows. You got a UTV, something like that. You can buy a little cedar online from Moultrie. There's quite a few different brands that hook up to your battery. You can broadcast that seed. Okay, so grass in the wild puts on a seed head. It falls on the ground. Some of it germinates. Some of it builds the seed bank and sits there for successive years. And maybe some of it gets eaten. But my point is, as a row crop farmer or as a conventional agricultural farmer, we have learned that you prepare a seed bed, you get better germination results. Yes, that's true. But you still got to get moisture and everything's got to work right. You can plant, you can overseed grass, put it on the soil, particularly ryegrass. If you do it ahead of two or three days of rain, you're going to get regrowth. Now, don't go put it into thick grass. You may not see it as well as you'd like to. Um, sometimes on really poor soil, it seems like my ryegrass struggles to come up. But if you can put it down before two or three days of rain, and it'll stay moist for three or four days, sometimes even just two, it's amazing what kind of stand you can get on ryegrass. Now, ryegrass comes up, grows good. It does like nitrogen somewhat, but um, it'll provide you some extra grazing. Put a little bit of green in maybe some of the brown thatch that's out there in your pasture. All I'm here to do today is to give you ideas and stretch your mind how you can get away from stored feeds. How can you get away from stored forages? Your cattle need to be grazing. That's their job. They have legs. They're mobile. They got a mouth. Let them use it. You don't need to bring them their feed. You see what I mean? So look into that. That's, that's kind of one idea. I'd like to talk a little bit about a few more things. I would also like to talk a little bit about stockpiling grass. I think grass probably stockpiles better than some other things. But technically, if the leaves don't fall off, you can probably stockpile it. In my part of the country, we have a little bush called privet. And it's, anno it's annoying. It's a nuisance. It fills up your fence rows. It can grow all over. But puts on a little green leaf that's high in protein. The leaf will probably get about as big as your thumb to the first knuckle, maybe. A big leaf. Small leaf might be besides the end of your pinky, but it also puts on a berry, and I have seen cattle take a bush like that and straddle it, walk it down just to eat the leaves. So they're very, very high in protein. Technically, I guess you'd call it browse. Browse is typically 
higher in protein. It's more digestible. Um, I listened to a goat podcast some, and they brought this out the other day. And I already knew it, I guess, in part. But a lot of times, your browse is not only higher protein, it's actually higher quality, and it's more not more digestible. So, um, you know, in my area, privet doesn't necessarily, I'm not necessarily stockpiling it, but it may be full in the woods, full, the woods may be full of it, the edge of the woods may be full of it, and the cattle are not going to eat it so much, but when I get into the dead of the winter, and they're low on protein, man, there's my source right there, so always keep your eye open on stuff like that. <clears throat> want to talk a little bit about color when you're stockpiling, and I learned this from the Holistic Management books by Alan Savory. Kind of picked it up over time, but that's probably a big place. So green during the winter would have a certain amount of antifreeze in the leaf. I don't know what the technical name is for it, but there's something in the plant that keeps it from freezing. That's why I call it antifreeze. That it's, and it is similar to antifreeze in that depending on your concentration strength in your engine, you may be safe at 32, you may be safe at 20, you may be safe down to zero, or you may be safe to 10 below. I don't know that there's plants, in, in my experience, of course I live down in Georgia, you know, we'll see plants that stay green down to 20. We don't even see 20 a whole lot, but about every winter we'll see a 20. Okay, so I may see 20 degrees. That doesn't mean that, boom, week after that, everything's brown. No, we have some green all year long. Um, when, you're, when you look at your pasture and what you're feeding is 10% green, well, that's your 10% protein. And old Kit Farrow from Farrow Cattle Company, he likes to talk about the cow that they had the sleeve in the stomach and the Colorado State researcher come out and <clears throat> tested the cow and seen what kind of protein she had in her stomach and he went around and tested all the plants and the cow beat him like three or four percent and she had higher protein than he could collect and so he said the researcher got smart and he he checked out just what the cow was grazing and he he tested you know, the best morsels off of each plant that the cow was grazing, the cow still beat him by 2 or 3%. So Kit, he said, well, that tells me my cows are smarter than the Colorado State researcher. Well, when it comes to picking forage, the cows probably are. You know, they can pick up those hues and the colors so much better than we can. They know what's there typically when your cows, and that's out on the high desert of Colorado, they're probably grazing a plant here, a plant there. In Georgia, when we're grazing, strip grazing, and it's a eat it before your side-by-side grazing, you know, eat it before the next one gets it, I don't think they're being very selective. They're cramming it in and ripping it off quick as they can. <clears throat> but the point I wanted to make is when you look out into a field, you start looking at grass. Green is alive. It has protein. Yellow and red, so my fescue, when it gets frost killed, because it does start to do that, 
plant will start to yellow as it frost kills or whatever. The yellow is still pretty high quality, not as high as the green, still has quite a bit of nutrient in it. Red, somewhere in there as well. Brown, a little bit lower. When you start sliding into the gray scale, think about Bermuda, for example. You get a frost on Bermuda, turns brown pretty much overnight. So it's going to stay brown until your first rain, and it'll lose a little color. Your second, third rain, it doesn't take very long for Bermuda to turn gray. And at that point, they may graze it to fill their bellies, particularly if they've got some um, privet to go munch on to get their protein. They can balance that out. They'll do it. They'll strip that Bermuda slap off, even though it's gray. You know, you're saying, oh, there's nothing in it by what your mind's telling you. They're still going to eat it. But keep that in mind with your colors. You can kind of tell what your uh, quality of your feed stuff is that you stockpiled. We grow a lot of foxtail down here. The foxtail stays upright. It doesn't fall over. It uh, it would keep a brown yellow hue to it. It provides a pretty decent feed stuff. So as you're thinking about stockpiling your forages, um, you know, keep the color color palettes in mind. You know, when it goes to gray, if you're looking out there and you got all sorts of forage and it's all gray, you're gonna need protein and you're gonna need mineral because there's not a lot in there. This may have some some dry matter to it, roughage, you know, it they can see their belly on it. But they're going to need protein to feed the bugs in the rumen to be able to digest it. Now a little side note there, protein does not need to be fed every day. It could be fed every two, three, maybe even four days. Protein ferments in a batch process, and you can pick up some of this in that Kick the Hay Habit book, I believe. If not, do a little more research. I'm just giving you ideas here today. Um, you definitely don't have to feed protein every day. If there is not protein in your stockpile, I don't care how good you think it is, you're going to need to supplement your cattle with protein. One way you can tell if they have enough protein, you think about in the spring when they have too much protein and their feces get runny, it's the opposite way in the winter. If they don't have enough protein to digest their the fiber, you know, you have pieces longer than a half of an inch. The manure pats start stacking up, getting taller. Maybe they're even coming out almost more of a turd style. Just keep an eye on it. Your cattle can tell you so much by their hair coat, or any animal for that matter, hair coat, feathers, whatever, and their scat, their droppings. It'll tell you how they're doing. Just And another thing, watch them. Do they act happy? Are they doing normal things? You know, normal thing for a cow, chew her cud, stick her nose or stick her tongue in her nose, wipe it, whatever they do with it. Um, that's normal behavior for a cow. When you got a cow standing there with her head down, she's a little listless. Yeah, there's a reason. She's sick. She's not feeling well. Okay, so stockpiling. Fescue has uh, two growth seasons. You got your spring flush, and you also have a fall flush. Once your temperature starts to drop a little bit, about this time of the year, here, end of September, 1st of October, middle of September even, I guess we're, we're actually right in the middle of September, 
Um, you get that first cool snap. When it's accompanied by moisture, your cool season stuff is going to start to awaken. It's maybe not going to go mad right away. The fescue, I think it's easiest to put weight on animals in the fall in Georgia rather than the spring. In the spring, stuff's growing so terrible fast, it's washy. And they tend to have more runs, and it's just blowing through them. In the fall, we get a more abundance of feed, but it's a higher quality because it's, it tends to be a little bit harder grass. <laughs> so as this starts to regrow, of course, you can still have that washy period there the first two or three weeks. But that first frost will help you out on that. Um, so watch as soon as you as soon as your temperature starts to drop and you get the moisture. Your cool season grasses and forbs are going to wake up. Maybe another two or three weeks as it continues to drop and get more moderate to where you're enjoying the temperature. You get a little more rain, they're going to go to town. Right in there is where you want to seed your cool season. That first cool snap is probably going to be still too hot. It's going to feel like a reprieve from summer, but you're typically going to be a little bit too hot, a little bit too dry. Plus, you're probably not going to have ryegrass in the store yet anyway then because it's just it's not available. Um, so once you get that reprieve, you start getting rains, try broadcasting it. Maybe don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't don't put it all out at once. But here again, I'm just giving you ideas. Test it. If you think you have too much cover, try broadcasting some. Throw it out by hand. Um, it is kind of hard to match hand spreading. I typically think it's heavier in spots and lighter in spots hand spreading versus spreading with a cedar. Um, so keep that in mind, but test a little bit, maybe even simulate watering it up. Try it. I, I, it, I think it's better if your cover's a little lighter, you know, take the cows in there, maybe graze it down, spread it, run them back across, mob them up. You know, they might help push it into the soil a little bit, or even if you're strip grazing some off at the end of summer, you, you have the option. They are exposing soil. Their hooves maybe are chipping it up just a little bit. You spread that grass seed out there, put it on the surface. That's where it's designed to fall. You'll get some germination rate. Ryegrass, usually pretty good. Um, when I talk about stockpiled fescue, I've seen good fescue laid over and it looks like it's about a foot thick. And it's actually hard to walk through. But if you go down there and start pulling up an individual sward of grass, a lot of times it'll come up 30, 36 inches. That's a lot of grass. Rule of thumb or just a rough estimate for a new person, you may say, well, how much grass does it take to feed my cows for a day? I remember back when I first started grazing, I would say I could strip graze about 10 head on a three foot area by about a hundred foot long of good stockpiled fescue. It's gonna vary a little bit. Watch for that room and fill on the left side. You don't wanna see that hollow there in front of the hip. You wanna be able to see them get it full. Um, obviously, if you're stockpiling, they may get empty by the next day because we're not looking for weight gain during the winter. We're looking to get them through the winter. 
Um, but keep an eye on their body condition. Keep an eye on how they're acting. If they can graze and fill up and lay down with a little bit left in your, your strip of stockpile, well, then they'll get up the next time and they'll eat again. That's something to keep an eye on. You don't want to lose weight too early in the winter. Toward the end of the winter, when it's starting to warm up, if they slide a little bit, some research says it's better for a cow to lose a little weight. She actually stays in production longer. I don't know. It might make a little sense. Um, I think that just about covers everything. Think, think about how you can use your cattle to prepare your soil. Uh, you don't have to go out there and disc it, rip it all out. You pull out the disc arrow and you chew up your pasture. Well, you've just killed everything beneficial and you flipped all your microbes over. The ones that are supposed to be two inches down are now on top and the ones that are on top are now two inches down and just messes things all up. Another thing I wanted to lift out is that on the average winter in Georgia, you also got to think about regrowth. Um, you want to strip it off if that's your plan. Um, there's a couple different ideas. You can either come through and take half, leave half maybe. You're going to leave you're going to waste some if you use that method. But you may also leave more solar panel for regrowth. And you may protect your soil a little more. I just want to point out that I have observed stripping pasture off in October, end of October, November, somewhere in there. Um, coming into winter, late fall, cleaning it off, fescue that was rested. This is important because then the root reserves are rested. You strip graze it off, strip it clean. It will regrow because it was still a little bit warm. It'll regrow, you know, that two or three inches right away. On that note, I'll strip graze in the, wet, in the summer in the middle of a drought and come out the next day and the grass regrew an inch overnight simply from the root reserves. So you pop up that little bit of solar panel. You don't have any rain. It'll sit there and collect energy. When you get rain, it's going to grow another couple inches. A little bit the same way in the winter, maybe not quite so active. But you're going to sit there and collect solar energy every warm day in the summer, which in the, in the southeast, you're going to get warm days in the winter. Did I say summer? During the winter, you will get warm days. Every warm day, when that soil temperature warms a little, that plant's going to grow. And I made a note that one year I observed from October, November time frame until next spring when it started growing again, um, I grew about 8 to 10 inches of grass on each fescue plant, you know, roughly. So you're going to get quite a bit of regrowth over winter. Now, is that good to go back and regraze that and plan on that for my winter forage, my winter grazing plan? No, I would say not because that is, um, you can't plan on that grass. You know it's going to regrow some because of the warm days during the winter, but you don't know how much. And when you take off that regrowth without that plant getting rested, because it's a little bit hard for it to rest during the winter, 
I would say when you're hitting that 10 to 12 inch mark, you're getting a fair amount of rest on, rest on a fescue plant, but it's really not rested until it hits that spring and it, it kind of hits its growth period because during the winter, it's just kind of surviving, getting by. I don't feel like that's really a rest period, but here's my point. That 10 inches is good solar panel. And when you hit spring, that stuff is going to grow two or three weeks of nice warm weather. That grass is going to be ready to be grazed. That stuff that you grazed at the tail end of winter, that's what's going to be needed to be rested. Whereas all the rest of this, you know, what you grazed at the first of winter and you've kept the cattle off of it is now going to be ready to be grazed again because it has lain dormant and it has slowly been building the reserves all winter long. It's just a slower process. You get a little bit of spring, boom, it's going to come back to you a lot quicker. So hopefully those tips help you out, give you some stuff to think about. Good luck, happy grazing, and keep your cattle fed. Well, that's a wrap for today. little monologue on some of my experiences. Maybe pass along a few tips, stimulate some thinking hopefully promote some success on your farm in cutting your winter feed costs. And as usual, I always like to point you back to our website, southpole.com, our Facebook forum. You can reach it by navigating through the website, or you can just search for us. There's a South Pole forum. like to have you be a part of that group. So thanks for stopping by today, and i also like to point out, if you got any questions, comments, feedback, you can contact me directly on Facebook, or you can send um, your questions or things you'd maybe like to discuss in the future to southpolemedia at gmail.com.